Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, we're continuing in our series entitled Ambassadors in a Foreign Land. And throughout the month of July, we are talking about how there is a difference between how a person who is simply a citizen of the country in which they live and the way they relate to fellow citizens and the way that those of us who are Christ followers are ambassadors for Christ and that uh, the nation in which we live for us is the United States is simply a temporary home, a transitional home toward our eternal home in heaven which uh, it represents the kingdom of God. And so as we are a part of the kingdom of God by faith in Christ, here on earth, we are ambassadors for Christ, the Scripture teaches us. Now, I realize that there will be some, both here in the worship center, watching online, or listening to a podcast, who on their faith journey, they're in that phase that they are not yet Christ followers. Uh, rather than a, a journey of faith for them, they're on a journey to faith. Uh, and, and so in that part of the faith journey for an individual, they are learning about God. They're learning about Christ. They're learning about the Bible. They're investigating. They're asking questions. They're seeking uh, answers. They're considering what they hear. And so if that describes you, uh, let me tell you, we're glad that you're listening. If you're present in the worship center, we're glad that you're here. You are welcome here. We care about you. In fact, we love you. We, we pray for you even if we don't know your name. Because it is so important to us that people come to faith in Christ. And you'll understand that as the message goes on. So if you're here today or you're listening uh, and you're not yet, this will be investigation. You'll get an idea of what it would be like to be a Christ follower and what it would mean as a Christ follower to be an ambassador for Christ. Because how we relate to you in love is incredibly important for us as Christ ambassadors. And I want to begin the, today's message with a story. It's a story about a pastor that I've met and have great respect for. His name is Gary Poole. And Gary, in his book, Seeker Small Groups, tells the story about his friendship with a man named Jay. And in fact, when that friendship started, they weren't men, they were just boys. They were in middle school, and they connected, and they became friends. They, they had many different common interests, the greatest of which was sports. And, and they would compete against one another in sports, in baseball, and football, and basketball, and especially tennis. I mean, they, they would compete fiercely, but always in friendship with one another. And they had so many things in common, but one thing they did not have in common was faith. Gary was, even in those days, a committed Christ follower. Jay, on the other hand, was an enthusiastic atheist. In fact, Jay said to his friend Gary one time, quote, God is just a figment of your imagination for your own convenience to pacify you. There is no God. It's just something your parents talked about to scare you, and you foolishly bought into it, end quote. 
And yet, though that's how he felt, Jay would sometimes ask his friend Gary questions. He, he would start at something like this. There is no God, but if there were a God, what would he do about such and such? And he would ask those sort of questions all the time, and they would get into sometimes some pretty intense but friendly discussions about God. And this went on for years. In fact, it went on all the way through their high school years. And during those years, they continued uh, their involvement in sports. They even wrestled against each other on the, the wrestling team. But most of all, they had tennis matches. Uh, and they would be intense and, and fierce, and they always wanted to beat the other. One And Gary remembered that this went on all the way through the summer after their high school graduation, just before they would leave home and go to separate cities to different universities. And Gary recounts that last match that summer after graduation. And like all of the others, it was intense and it was fierce and competitive. And when it was over, they were both exhausted. And Gary said he remembered leaning against the hood of his car with Jay. And Jay asked one more of those kind of God questions. And it seemed to Gary that night that Jay was more open than he'd ever been before. But the conversation ended. They shook hands. They got in their separate vehicles and drove away from the tennis court. And Gary said that he remembered having a feeling that night, just an overwhelming feeling that God was drawing Jay to himself, trying to tell him that he loved him and that he'd given his son for him to have eternal life. And Gary said he came to a stop sign within the park and nobody else was around him, nobody was behind him, and he just stopped at the stop sign, and he put his head on the steering wheel, and he said he remembered praying something that went kind of like this, Oh God, please help Jay. Please help him know that you're here. He seems so close, but so far away. His eyes are blinded to the truth. Help him to open his eyes and to truly see you as you are. And he finished the prayer, and he drove home, and he didn't hear from Jay for more than two years. Until one day, his phone rang, and on the other end of the line was a familiar voice that said, Hey, guess what? Jay, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Guess what? What? And Jay went on to tell him that, when he arrived at college, he met some friends who were committed Christ followers, and they invited him to a, a discussion group in which they talked about God and the Bible and Jesus and faith, and he asked questions, and this went on for two years. And he said, Gary, I finally got to the point that not only did I believe God was real, but that I could know Him through faith in His Son, Jesus. Gary, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I mean, what a great story is that? But that's not the end of the story. Gary, who was serving as associate pastor in a very large church, was in his church office one day, uh, a time in which there was a big conference going on at his church, and a knock came 
at his door. And he opened the door, and it was a man that he'd never seen before. And this man said, Pastor Poole, you, you don't know me, but I just wanted to thank you. He said, your friend Jay led me to faith in Jesus Christ. And now I'm a pastor, and I'm here attending the conference. And I just wanted to come say thank you. The legacy of a faithful ambassador named Gary Poole was still being written. Today's message is entitled, The Mission of an Ambassador. Why are you and I here on planet Earth? What's our purpose? What's our mission? And I believe a huge part of it is to reach out to those who do not know Jesus by faith. Here's today's big idea. Build bridges, not walls, to those who need to know your king. Build bridges, not walls. The Apostle Paul makes it clear what we are to be and do as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And what's at stake? Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 11. Paul says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Our mission as ambassadors is to represent Him to others so that they might believe and receive Him. Uh, Paul calls this, rendered in the New Living Translation, our fearful responsibility. Now, th that wording caught my attention. And so I pulled out the tool that gives a literal word-for-word -word translation from the original Koine Greek of the New Testament. And, and what that literally means is, listen to this, knowing the terror of the Lord knowing the terror of the Lord. What's Paul saying there? I think Paul is remembering the eternal judgment that awaits those who live all their lives in unbelief and come to the end of this life and go into eternity without faith in Christ. And the terrible judgment that awaits them for unforgiven sin. That could have been Jay's destiny. What if Gary hadn't befriended Jay? What if he had written him off as, a, as an annoying atheist? But more personally, what about the people in your circles of relationship and my circles of relationship? What if we just, instead of representing Christ to them, what if we write them off instead of taking however long it takes to love them, to have conversations with them, to live out the Christian life in an authentic and consistent way before them, to pray for them that they would come to faith in Christ. What if Gary had done that? But instead of writing him off, Gary spent years, he spent years, planting the seeds of the gospel, watering them with love and conversations, and then God sent others to water those same seeds. 
And it took from Jay's middle school years all the way to the middle of college to bear fruit. Oh, but it did bear fruit. It did bear fruit. Not only in Jay, Jay led others to faith in Christ, including one who became a pastor, who I'm sure led many others to faith in Christ. And and those other people who came to Christ led others to faith in Christ. And there, there is just no telling. In fact, only heaven will reveal the, the family tree of faith that came from one man, one man being a faithful ambassador. Only heaven will reveal how many lives were changed and how many eternities were changed forever. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with the end of verse 14, says this, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that, amen? We believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I mean, think about it. Gary could have put up a wall. Gary could have said, that that guy is an atheist. He's annoying. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. I'm staying away from him. He could have built a wall between him and his enthusiastically atheist classmate. But instead, he built a bridge. A bridge that one day, years later, Jay would walk across to faith in Christ. So that's a great story, but how do we do that? How do we do that? And, and you know, I could, I could preach ten sermons on this, but I, I want to give you just a few essentials on how to build a bridge instead of a wall. Here's the first. <laughs> Pretty simple, really. Treat people with love, respect, and kindness. Treat people with love, respect, and kindness. Here's what Paul said in Colossians 3, beginning with verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. That's powerful right there. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, skip down to verse 17 and see what Paul says. This, is, this ties it in with our series. Verse 17, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. And the word could be rendered there, ambassador. Do it as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through Him to God the Father. It begins by loving people. 
In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if we don't do that, nothing else matters. Nothing else will have any effect. We must love people who are far from Christ. And then here's something else I'd encourage us to do. It's about the way we think. Remember what grace did for you and think of what it could do for them. Remember what grace did for you and think of what it could do for them. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and following. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. I'll come back to that. That's so powerful. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Again, that phrase captured my attention, evaluating others from a human point of view. I looked at the message paraphrase. It's a very interesting uh, paraphrase of Scripture. Here's how it renders that. We don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. In other words, as Christ followers, or their popularity, or their talent, or their intellect, a whole lot of things, that's how it looks at people. But for us, we should look at people differently. We should look at people through the lens of who they could become in Christ. Who they could become, because my friends, the gospel is life-transforming. It's life transforming. Look at verse 17. Paul says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. The old life is gone. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You see, apart from the Lordship of Christ, People spend their whole lives, they spend their whole lives trying to be somebody. Trying to figure out among those criteria of the world what would make them somebody in other people's eyes. They, they spend their whole life striving for that elusive goal that they can never quite reach. But in Christ, you don't spend your life chasing the impossible dream trying to earn things that won't last. Through faith in Christ, you just receive. You receive the gift of grace through faith in Christ. You receive the gift and presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You receive the divine plan of God for your life. You don't earn it. You don't achieve it. You just receive it. Paul says in verse 18, look at this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And look at this, don't miss this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. God has, God has given, did you hear that? God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Verse 19, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
ambassador of Christ, this is our message. This is our mission. This is our life calling to let people know that God loves them and that He showed His love for them through Jesus Christ, His Son. But the only way that they will know God's love is if they experience through us. Through us. We must love them to faith in Christ. Because here's the truth. We cannot help people find God's grace that we're not willing to love. If we're unwilling to love people who look differently than we look, who believe differently than we believe, who have a different political persuasion than we have, or even like Jay was in opposition to everything about God and His Son, if we're not willing to love them, they will never listen. But if we, like Gary toward Jay, will befriend them and love them, And as we are loving them, gently steer them toward Christ with the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Then in the context, hear me, in the context of that that non-judgmental, unconditional love friendship, there will come along the way open doors of conversation. And through those open doors of conversation, we can gently steer them toward Christ. Or let me put it this way. We must then drop hints about our faith and be ready for meaningful conversations about the Lord. I read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Look at this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. They won't hear the voice of God. They must hear our voice. He's making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now just stop and think about that. Think about that. You and I are the bearers of the message We're the bearers of the good news of the gospel. We are bearers of the truth, the only truth that can make the difference, not only on their life here on earth, but for their eternity. We have been entrusted with that message. They are now separated from God by their sin, but they can be reconciled. They can be restored. They can be rescued forever by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And here's, here's what ought to just blow us away. You and I may be the ones in some people's life that we know that holds the very key to their eternities. Just like Gary was for Jay. And through the power 
of our conversations, our witness for Christ, the Holy Spirit could draw them to a point of faith. Because I believe this with all my heart. There is nothing more compelling for an unbeliever than a faith conversation with a friend they admire and trust. Nothing. Nothing more compelling for an unbeliever than a faith conversation. Not with a preacher. They won't listen to me. They think I'm God's hired gun. But they'll listen to you. They'll listen to you. Because if you have been real, you don't have to be perfect. None of us live out the Christian life perfectly. In fact, they don't expect us to be perfect. If we were, they'd resent us. But if they see something that's real, if they see something that's genuine, if they sense genuine love despite all of your differences, they'll listen. They'll listen. The Apostle Paul understood that. And as Christ's ambassador, he guarded so carefully his relationships and the way he related to others, others who were so different than him. I, I read a little bit of this passage last week, but I want to read more of it to you this week. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning with verse 19. And I want to read it to you from the paraphrase of the Living Bible, because to me through the years, it's been like Paul talking right to my heart. So hear it like that. He, hear it as if Paul is speaking to you, explaining how he relates to unbelievers. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning with verse 19. Paul said, I have freely and happily become a servant of any and all, so that I can win them to Christ. When I'm with the Jews, I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ. When I'm with the Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue even though I don't agree because I want to help them. When with the heathen, I agree with them as much as I can except, of course, that I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing... I can win their confidence and help them too. When I'm with those whose consciences who bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. And I don't say that they're foolish. The result is that they're willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, Paul said, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. As Christ followers, as Christ's ambassadors, we have been entrusted with the greatest privilege and the greatest responsibility on planet earth. The glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, how can we steward this well? How can we steward this eternal treasure wisely? How do we conduct ourselves as Christ ambassadors with those who are not yet followers of Christ, those who are far from faith. 
so that they'll listen and prayerfully someday believe. Well, I want to share with you in closing three next steps that I believe will help. I think if we're serious about being faithful to the Lord as His ambassador in this way, there are three questions we ought to continually ask ourselves. I've tried to do this, not always been successful perfectly, but these three questions I think are essential to continually ask ourselves in our relationships with everyone, but especially with those who do not know Christ. Here's the first one. What does love require of me? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if we don't have love, we're just noise. Nothing else matters. And so we ought to continually ask, okay, in this situation, in this relationship, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Here's the second question. How can I show grace to build a bridge? How can I not put a block in a wall between us, but how instead can I show grace to them to build more on the bridge that hopefully will lead them to faith? How can I show grace to build a bridge? And then the third question is this. What words can I say to speak truth without implying judgment? Can I just tell you, unbelievers don't need judgment. They don't need condemnation. In fact, the Scripture says that's not our right. Only God has the right to condemn and to judge. So, as His ambassadors, what words can I speak when I need to speak truth, but without implying judgment? I think these are important. Because fellow ambassadors of Christ, our goal must always be to build bridges, not walls, to those who need to know our King. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here in the worship center, at home or wherever they might be online, someone listening to a podcast in an automobile today. Lord, we are by faith the family of God. And it is not our responsibility or privilege to stand in judgment over others, to become angry and bitter. But it is instead our privilege and responsibility to love them with the love of Christ, to see them through the lens of faith with who they could become should they come to know our Savior. Lord, help us to be like Gary in our true story today, who was your faithful ambassador to Jay, who through all those years was such a dyed-in-the-wool atheist, but as as your Holy Spirit kept chipping away at that unbelief, and he finally, after all those years, came to faith in you, and now he has led many others to faith, who have led many others to faith, who have led many others to faith, and heaven's getting more crowded all the time because of one man named Gary who determined not to be a condescending, judgmental Christian but instead was a loving, caring ambassador for Christ. Help us to live like that. 
We can't do it without your help and your guidance. But if we'll be faithful, you will always be faithful to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you're a guest, please come by the hospitality room. Love to meet you. Join in.